Good morning, friends. It is Palm Sunday, and we have come here to worship together. Well, kind of. I've come to a very familiar place to worship, and you are somewhere in your homes, at your dining room tables, or maybe gathered in your living room on the couch watching service on TV. I know life is a lot different for all of us right now, but I'm still glad that we make it a priority to gather around the Word of God and the songs that we sing that confess who He is and how good He is to us, to have an experience together in some way, even if it's virtually. So we're glad you've joined us. It's a good day to be together. I want to share with you from Psalm 118 today. Listen to the words of the Lord. Let them resonate in your spirit. And perhaps you too can make the confession that the psalmist makes today. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let all those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. So I will give you thanks for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. So let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. For the Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. So with bows in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, friends, for he is good. His love endures forever. Hey, I just want to fill you in on a couple of announcements. Today is the beginning of what we consider in the life of the church Holy Week. And even though we can't gather together, there are still opportunities for us to worship all week long. Today, uh, attached to the video, you're going to see in the comments um, an attachment to a document in Google Docs where you can follow along this week in Scripture through Holy Week. We're going to do devotions again on Monday and Thursday. And Thursday is going to be a special time where we encourage you to lead your family through a time of foot washing, so be watching for that. Our Bible studies will continue as regularly scheduled as well. And on Good Friday, we're going to have a very special video presentation of a Lectio Divina scripture experience for you by four Church of God pastors. I invite you to spend some time reflecting on scripture on Good Friday and posture yourself in a season of anticipation getting ready for Easter. You might also notice this morning that uh, I'm missing my regular counterpart. Eric is not here with me today. In part, that's because uh, we feel like with the increased restrictions on social distancing that it's probably really best uh, for the Campanias to lead worship from their home and for me to continue to offer the word uh, right here from where we usually hear it. So while we miss each other's presence, and I certainly miss getting to experience that worship with him live in person, I'm looking forward to experiencing worship with them live as they lead us, as they have been doing each week. 
So if today feels a little different, like we're cutting back and forth uh, between one place and another, that's because we are. But we're doing that uh, for each other's safety because in loving our neighbor, we also want to make sure that we're taking the precautions to love one another well too. So you'll still experience the same spirit-filled worship, but it'll be from a different place. And so we invite you to worship along with us this morning and join the companions in their living room today. Um, we've got a few extra faces today. We've got Trey and John joining us uh, doing another worship set. So uh, sing along at home as we uh, worship the Lord together.
thanks for coming to worship this morning with us online. Um, this is a point in our worship service where we continue on in our form of worship by giving to the Lord what he's blessed us with, of giving back of our tithes and offerings. I know that we can't do that by passing the plate with social distancing, but there are many opportunities that you can still give to support your local congregation. One way is you can text CCOG GIVE to 77977. Um, that will provide a link to push pay where you can pay your tithes and offerings right there. Um, you can also stop by the church from 9 to 1230 any morning, uh, Monday through Friday. Our church secretary is in and would be happy to take your gift and be able to put it to further God's kingdom. Would you join with me in prayer this morning as we pray over our offering? Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gifts that you've given us, Lord, and out of the abundance of those gifts, Lord, we're happy to give back to you. Lord, may you take these tithes and these offerings, Lord, to further your kingdom, to, to grow your kingdom here in this community, here in our state and around the world. Lord, thank you for each gift and each giver. Lord, may we give with a cheerful heart and may your presence continue to be with us as we uh, just seek to experience you fully in worship this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
is nothing better than our God.
In the heartbeat of my life is to worship in your life. Your glory is so beautiful. Your glory is so beautiful.
Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that even amidst all of this pandemic, we just can find a way to come and hear about you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with mom, help her to speak your word fluently so that we can all take something from it. And Lord, we love you so much and we're glad that you're here to be with us even when we feel like no one else is. It's in your name I pray, amen. Well, here we are on the doorstep of Holy Week. And as we've been walking with Jesus, as he's walking toward the cross, we've been remembering all the places that he's been, all the people that he's been with, all the things that he's been saying this whole time. And just before he comes now into the city of Jerusalem, he's pulled his disciples aside and he said, listen, I wanna make sure that you understand what's about to happen. We're coming into Jerusalem and the chief priests and the leaders they're going to take me and they're going to hand me over and I'm going to be put to death. But in three days, I will rise again. Now, you can imagine this isn't the first time the disciples have heard Jesus say something like this, but they still don't know what to do with it. They still can't understand what they're hearing. And now on this Palm Sunday, we come to the place in the word of God where we hear the physical story of Jesus entering into the city. But before we listen to it out of Matthew's gospel today, I want you to remember a couple of things. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew that coming into Jerusalem meant that he was headed straight to the cross. He knew that his days were numbered. He knew what he was sent to do by the father. And he came willingly, willing to do it all, knowing what he was surrendering himself to. So maybe it feels a little interesting to you then, as it has always felt to me, that when we come to the place in uh, the Word of God where it starts to talk about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, so many of our Bible headings have the phrase triumphal procession or triumphal entry as an expression of what's happening when Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Instead, what I'd like to tell you is, is Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And yes, he is coming as a king, but not the kind of king that anyone expected. I wanna invite you, if you will, to take the word of God, take your Bibles or your phones or however you're engaging with the word and turn to Matthew, the first gospel, the 21st chapter. And we're gonna start right at the beginning of Matthew 21. So remember, Jesus has told his disciples that he's coming to Jerusalem to die. He's willingly doing so. He's not looking to go around Jerusalem, but he's coming to. And here's the other thing that you should know. This is the beginning of the Passover festival, the season in the life of God's people where they are going to recount the stories of God's deliverance, of bringing them out of slavery in Egypt and into a time where they would journey toward the promised land. This is the season where at the table, they will tell the story. And that's the setting in which we find Jesus today. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse one. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, the word of God for God's people, and we give thanks for it. Who is this? Well, we have to know that some people must have known who Jesus was because large crowds were following him. In fact, at the end of Matthew chapter 20, what we read is that as Jesus is leaving where he was, large crowds had begun to gather and follow around everywhere Jesus went. They listened to his teachings. They watched him perform miracles, give sight to the blind and heal the sick. It wasn't surprising that crowds of people had begun to gather around Jesus. But it was less surprising even than that, that crowds were coming into Jerusalem. After all, this was the beginning of Passover. And if you lived within walking distance of the holy city, you would return to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So many people were already thronging into the city, but something about the people who were traveling with Jesus made them different. Because they knew something about Jesus that not everyone knew. They knew who he was. Now when we hear the crowds answer at the end of this reading, he's Jesus the prophet uh, from Nazareth. They're saying something about his teaching, the way that he has foretold the word of God. But the way that they treat him is not only as a prophet. No, we call today Palm Sunday because part of Jesus' entrance into the city included people laying their cloaks out on the road and cutting palm branches, some waving them in one gospel and others laying them on the road in Matthew's gospel. It was as if to say someone special is coming to town. We are rolling out the proverbial red carpet. Palm waving and coats on the ground, those were the kinds of responses for heroes. Celebrating a hero's welcome as they came back into town after a great victory. In this case, for Jesus, many of the crowds who followed him had determined he indeed was the Messiah, but they thought he was their version of a Messiah. See, here's what's going on. People are oppressed. Rome has come in and taken over the holy city and all that was sacred to the people of God. And they want their city back. So when they identify Jesus as the Messiah, what they are seeing and hearing is the idea that someone has finally come to take back control and give them the home they've always wanted. To push back against oppression, to push back against the enslavement that they were feeling. 
and take back their home. So it seemed only fitting that as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover, that they see the Messiah as a king who will deliver them from all that they have been underneath as Rome has pressed them under their thumb. But that's not what Jesus had come to do at all. In fact, as the days will progress during Holy Week, what we will discover is he is not the king that people thought he was. What's more interesting was that the way he chose to come into the city told that story before people even understood it. Jesus, as he's coming into the city, says to two of his disciples, I need you to go ahead into town and you'll find a a donkey and it's cold, untie them and bring them to me. And as if he knew that there would be a question about what was happening, he said, just say the Lord needs them and it will be okay. Matthew takes time to tell us that's a really big deal, that Jesus would come into town on a donkey because it was the fulfillment of a prophecy from Zechariah, which said that literally their king would come to them on the foal of a donkey. It's really important too that we pay attention to the fact that as Jesus came into town, he didn't ride the mother. He rolled the colt, an unbroken, never ridden beast of burden. You don't normally choose to take an unbroken animal and come on a giant parade into town for the very first time. Unbroken animals are skittish. Uh, They're very fearful. Some people believe that the reason that a mother comes with the colt is just to settle the colt down as that um, animal is first being ridden by someone. But this was neither the time or the place that something like that would have been done. But Jesus was all about doing things out of the ordinary. But out of all of this text, this unusual entrance of Jesus to choose not to come on a white stallion with armor and military attire to come and take over and come and throw a coup, Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem for any of that. What he came for was to establish a new kind of kingdom. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't coming to be king, but he came to be king as a servant, not as a master. Jesus came to not take someone's life, but instead to give his own. And I think the most powerful word that comes to us today from these few verses in Matthew's gospel comes to us out of verse 5. It's the repetition of the prophecy that Matthew takes the time to tell us. But it is, it is a select number of words that I think that hold the most power and truly the most hope and promise for us today. Listen with me, if you will, again to verse 5. Say to daughter Zion... See, your king comes to you. I won't go any further than that because we have to stop and understand what it means that the king has come to us. See, kings don't come to people. People come to kings. In 
biblical times all throughout the Old Testament, as we encounter kings, not only kings of Israel, but kings from other nations, when a king needed something, he sent a messenger or a servant to go do it for him. When a king arrived in town, he came with an entourage, but he came in might and power. When a king left and went anywhere, he only did it as a demonstration of his power. He left with chariots. He left with armies. He would leave with horses. People didn't just show up and say, I need to see the king because the king had to agree to receive someone in order for them to be seen. Go back to the book of Esther and you'll remember that when Mordecai says to Esther, God's put you in the place that you are for such a time as this, go to the king and tell him that we need to be saved. Esther reminds Mordecai, I can't just walk up into the throne room and say, I need to talk to you. He will have to extend his scepter to me. And if he doesn't, I could die. Later, Esther says, but if I perish, I perish. Who knows? Maybe I am supposed to be here for this time. See, kings don't come to people. People have to come to kings or kings send people for them. So don't miss the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God sent into the world to save the world, was coming to the very people that he needed to save. God has been ascending God from the beginning, and when he sent us the gift of Jesus, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, one who would come to be the Savior of the world, God didn't say, you've got to come to me to get what you need. No, what God said in that moment was, I'm sending a king to you. Nobody believed that Jesus was a king. Often when people asked who it was, they'd refer to him as a carpenter, or they'd call him Mary and Joseph's boy. But never really did people see Jesus as the king he came to be. It's evidenced by the way that people received him when he came into town. They were throwing him a hero's welcome because they wanted someone with might. And instead, Jesus came with meekness. The, the prophet Zechariah said, See, daughter Zion, your king comes to you gentle. Jesus didn't come in force. He didn't come in power. He didn't come to take over or overthrow the Roman government. No, he came to sacrifice himself. He came to serve other people. He came to wash feet. He came to break bread with brothers and sisters. He came to elevate the lowly, to encourage the oppressed. He came to speak peace and bring hope and love and light. And that is why Jesus wasn't anything anyone expected. But I wonder if you've ever thought about what it means that the king has come to you. What does it mean in our own poverty, in our own brokenness, in, in our own struggle? What does it mean that the God of heaven loved you enough to send a king to you instead of you having to come and find the king and beg for mercy that our king in just a few days from now, would stretch out his arms on a cross and take on the sin of the world, bear it all up on his shoulders, and be the once-for-all sacrifice that would be needed for all mankind. What does it mean that the king has come to you? Jesus wasn't worried about looking regal 
or royal. Sure, the red carpet treatment into Jerusalem was a, an incredible statement of who he had come to be. But people's perception of him wasn't the same as who he knew in his spirit that he'd been called to be, which is why he didn't come with an entourage who would come in and knock people over and take people out left and right and set up himself in the heart of the city as the new king. No, he came meek. He came riding into town on a donkey. He came knowing that he had come to die. It's not just that the king came for you. The king came for you knowing that in order to have a relationship with you, he would have to die for you. Many kings have died for many things, for power, for greed, for more kingdom, simply to show that they were the stronger man. If you remember, maybe when you were a child playing the game King of the Mountain, it was all about who was stronger, who could knock someone off the top of the pile. That's not what Jesus came for. Jesus came for the world because God loved the world. God loved you and God loved me. God loved all the people that we can't see right now, the people that we wish that we could wrap our arms around and spend time with. But God also came for the people that we would count our enemies, people that are difficult to love, people that cause us frustration and disappointment and discouragement. The king who rode into town on the back of an unbroken colt came for all of them, knowing where he was headed, knowing what he had to do. I just can't get over the words, see your king comes to you. I don't know where you find yourself this week, but I wanna offer you a word of encouragement today. That wherever you are, if you're anxious, or you're fearful about the outcome of what this virus that's happening in our world may do to you and your family, the King has come to you gently. He speaks peace. He brings hope. He brings hope that this life is not the end. It's merely a pause point to an eternal kingdom that he purchased for us with his own blood. Maybe you're angry Maybe you're angry that the world has shut down. Maybe you're angry at the way people are behaving around you. See, your king has come to you gentle. He's come to remind you that there were moments that he was angry too. In fact, just after this ride into town, he would find himself standing in the temple, watching people abuse a holy place and take what his father had meant to be holy and desecrate it. Righteous anger rose up in Jesus that day. He didn't come into town angry. Oh, but he found himself angry. And yet when he came, he knew what he was coming for. And he came gently. And today he comes to you to meet you in your point of frustration or anger and speak peace and remind you that he loves you. And he loves the people that are frustrating you. And perhaps rather than pushing back against them, what we might do is pray for them. After all, Jesus spent a lot of time praying too, putting himself in the presence of the Father to make sure that he was connected with the one who could give him everything he needs and everything that would sustain him and carry him forward. And maybe today you find yourself 
thinking about Easter. Maybe you've already fast-forwarded to next week because this, for you, like for me, is your favorite time of year because you know that the story doesn't end on Friday. Because we know that the story doesn't even end with the resurrection, but with the hope that Jesus is coming again. And if you can find yourself in a place of hope today, then can I remind you, see your king is coming to you again. Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, he will come in majesty and he will come in glory. He will come in power, but he will still come gently. He will still come meekly because it is the humble heart of a servant who will return again to receive his bride and his people and welcome them into their eternal home in the presence of the Father. Yes, this was a triumphal procession for the people who saw Jesus. It was probably a a grief-filled procession for Jesus himself because he knew what he was coming to do. But friends, I want you to hold on to these words today. Your king has come to you. God's not asking you to reach further than you can, but simply to reach out in front of you and receive the gift of God that he has placed in your hands because of the love and the gift of Christ. When we think about fast forwarding into this week, we'll arrive on Thursday, the night when Jesus would have been eating that Passover meal with his disciples. And together this morning, I'm going to also lead us through a time at the table. It too will be unconventional, unlike anything we've done before. And it's okay if you don't have bread and grape juice at home to do that with, because it's what we remember that carries the power. It's not the actual bread or the cup that makes the difference. It's what we remember that Jesus has done for us when we come to the table that matters most. And as you come to the table today, my prayer would be this, that you would remember, as God's word has reminded us, your king has come to you. Not just in this moment, not just now in our grief and our lack of understanding, but also with the promise that the king is coming again. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus who knew where he was headed, who knew what his future would hold when he entered into Jerusalem, and yet he came willingly. Riding into town, sending a message up front that he had not come to take over. He had not come to take life, but to give it. That he had not come to rule with power and oppression, but instead to rule with a servant's heart to give of himself freely and lovingly to all of us. Father, we find ourselves in such uncertain times, maybe not completely unlike those in Jerusalem that day who felt oppressed, who felt overlooked, who felt uncertain about their future. And the word that you bring us today gives us hope. Our King comes to us. And so in our places of loneliness or isolation, in our places of fear or anxiety, in our places of anger or any other emotion we can lay on the table, thank you so much that you come to us gently, that you hear our hearts, that you bear our burdens, and that you speak peace and hope and promise to us. And that the story doesn't end on Friday, and it doesn't even end with the resurrection on Sunday, but with the promise that the once come king is coming again.
We are so thankful. We give you thanks and praise and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
I left a crimson stain He who washed it white as snow So I hope during that last worship song that you were able to find some elements to share together as a family this morning for communion. I remember that it's a, it's a little unusual, but again, it's really about what we're remembering and recalling to mind that makes this meal so important. Scripture says that um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat and remember the sacrifice of the Lord. Scripture also says in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together in remembrance of the Lord. And here's the most important part. Scripture says, Whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Father, we give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus. We give thanks for his body broken for us. We give thanks for the blood that was shed that takes the place of our sin. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we receive because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the freedom that we receive when we accept this gift of grace so that we know that today is just a moment in the scope of the eternity that we are promised when we place our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, we remember Jesus' death and we thank you that his death is not the end, but for us it offers us a new beginning. So, Lord, today we receive these elements. We thank you for the gift of Christ. And we pray that he would be ever present in our mind this week as we journey with him toward the cross and towards Easter Sunday. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings, friends. Have a wonderful week.